Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Your Booked. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan. Our guest this week is Lucy Vine, the journalist and the author of the romantic comedies What Fresh Hell and Hot Mess. We went to Cambridge to record with Lucy in her lovely place in the country with her dog, Ivy, and her mum's dogs were joining in as well. It was a fabulously canine episode. Lucy is someone that I got to know through journalism. Uh, We both sat next to each other for a bit doing various holiday covers at Grazia. She's one of the funniest people I know and has a real ear and eye for comedy. She's a big reader and like me, she's always looking for things that make her laugh. I've known her for a few years and I really love spending time with her. It was a joy to talk to my friend about books And she's got a really interesting selection. And there were a few surprises and things that I wasn't expecting to see. So hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as I did. I'm here with my good friend, the esteemed author, Lucy Vine, the writer of Hot Mess and What Fresh Hell. Have you ever taken any books and um, returned them to their owners in a a dodgy state, like covered in sun cream or dropped into the pool oh my god you ever borrowed a book and dropped it in the bath uh daisy i'm not a monster so <laughs> no obviously not i don't believe you <laughs> well i was brought up my dad um loves writing and he's always had this obsessive thing about keeping books pristine and i i don't sort of entirely agree with him but as a, a child it was so drilled into me not to bend corners over and to make sure that they you didn't pull the spine back too far or anything like that so i i think especially if i was borrowing somebody's book i, I would be so careful with it. I'm and imagining him sort of in another room <laughs> at home. I don't hear bookmarks being used. <laughs> yeah, handing out bookmarks every evening as much as possible. Yeah, um, no, but I, I just, I know because I feel such an emotion, emotional attachment to books, I know that if somebody lent me their book, um, they might have that feeling, even if it's, it's something um, seemingly trivial. So I just would be very careful. So I don't think I've had any absolute mishaps but I think I would secretly buy a copy of that book and replace it if I did do that oh I will be <laughs> glad to lend you anything you like Thank after God. That. <laughs> so when you were a child what are the first things you remember reading when you knew you probably shouldn't be reading them or you might get into trouble if you got caught 
Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, because my dad was so obsessed with books, and my mum as well, she was an English teacher, um, they're both very book people, there wasn't hugely things off limit. I, I was certainly an obsessive reader, and there was definitely a lot of things like the Roald Dahl and everything, um, which I'm still... Uh, uh, will reread obsessively. In fact, my dad met Roald Dahl. He interviewed him. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a, I, I'm so obsessed with that story. Yeah, so he, my dad, briefly in the '80s had this um, literary magazine that he launched, uh, which was all about books. Um, what was it called? It was called Words. <laughs> Highly original. Um, And, I mean, it didn't last very long because he had no money and it was basically just um, him writing everything and editing everything. Yeah, so he um, actually kind of got to interview some amazing people and do some really cool things. But the Roald Dahl thing was my favourite because he so rarely gave interviews. And my dad, I think, wrote to him a couple of times and said please and I think tried to suck up by mentioning his, you know, adult books. You know how Roald Dahl (laughs) was kind of really proud of those adult books but um, nobody ever asked him anything about it because they all just wanted to talk about Matilda um so he um he got this interview and he turned up at Roald Dahl's house knocked on the door no answer knocked for another sort of 20 minutes giving up hope every minute that passed and eventually sort of just took a chance and went round the back and um Roald Dahl I mean you probably know used to work in a garden shed at the bottom of his garden and so my dad was like oh just chance it and went round the back and found him there and he sort of invited him in and they actually spent quite a long time chatting and and had this great conversation and um he um said to him would you like to, to print some pages from the book I'm writing at the moment and he got to take away a chapter from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that's what he was writing yeah oh my and goodness. or had finished right just finished and it was all hand, you know he hand wrote everything so he got to print this um because it's such an amazing thing that he actually was he had to return it afterwards sadly but he actually had in his hands a chapter sorry <laughs> dogs are barking in the background <laughs> big Roald Dahl fans yeah yes. yeah they're, they're very excited about the Roald Dahl story so um so that was the kind of household I grew up in that, that was sort of obsessed with uh, books and sort of so nothing was really off limits and I, I remember I mean I was quite pretentious very early on and very much like I'm a Charles Dickens type and sort of would go and hide um in the loo there was a running joke in my family about how um I would go and spend like two hours in the loo at any one time and um because it was I have a big family and it was the sort of place I could escape to and then just hide away in books um and it was just sort of a bit magical and you could escape into these other worlds, couldn't you, while my brothers and sisters were fi- fighting over the remote control. Do <laughs> you still read in the loo? Now you've got a place of your own. <laughs> read wherever you like. No, but I probably should take that back up. I, I do love a, a toilet visit. <laughs> it's a good place to get things done. You can multitask. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm a great multitasker. Pooing and reading. Woohoo. <laughs> No one's mentioned that on the podcast yeah. before. Yeah, should we talk so. more about poo? I think it's a great place to do that, you know? It's, as long as uh, it's not too disrespectful to say. <laughs> Just reading some great works while you're having a poo. My mum <laughs> might be very upset with me saying this, but she always has the urge to have a poo whenever she goes into a library. There's obviously something about the power of association. Some kind and of bell the, the paper. <laughs> Pavlovian response. <laughs> So let's have a look at um, what is on your bookshelf. Yes. Ah, 
I see uh, Deborah Francis White's book, The Guilty Feminist. Yeah, I haven't read that yet. Are you a guilty feminist? Because I feel guilty about not having read this wonderful feminist. Yeah, I love her. I think she's wonderful. Um, I love the podcast. Um, so I do absolutely need to read it. Basically, this shelf is my um, come on, hurry up and read these, or at least finish reading them. I've read some of them, but um, mostly that shelf is my exciting to be read pile. My top shelf are books that I will come back to and reread over and over again. They're kind of um, some very old, some newer, um, but they're my favourite books. Um, they're just wonderful. There's quite a lot of zombies. <laughs> Down the end, um, we've got um, Sarah Silverman, the yeah. bedwetter. I was going to say that brings us back to the bathroom. I know, but it doesn't I just really. Want to does talk it? about um, just wee and poo as much as possible. And it's next to Winnie the Pooh. I know. <laughs> It's an accident, but it shouldn't have been an accident. So, so now we know what your system is. <laughs> exactly, yes. From well, from wee to poo in that order. <laughs> of all of these books up here, what do you think is the one that you come back to the most frequently? That's a good question. It sort of depends on my mood a bit. Um, actually, weirdly, to be honest, probably The Day of the Triffids. I know that that's quite a niche by John Wyndham. Um, but I, I've always loved sci-fi and, and horror and those kind of apocalyptic um, ideas, um, which is very different to what I write about. <laughs> but it is, it's just... Um, I don't know what it is. There's something in me that just loves... Um, devastation and everybody just being killed this copy looks very loved as yeah, well I think that was my dad's um copy I stolen at some oh no actually what does it say in the it says J.E. Nicholson in the in the bit of the front so that is actually my mum from um must be 40 years ago or something. and she clearly put her name in it so yeah. no one would take it well because she's a school teacher or was a school teacher I think that that was a kind of obsessive thing that you had to do you had to put names on everything especially when you're from a big family as well everybody just steals everything so you have to label everything all my books when I was little and all my diaries start with my name and then also underneath it was usually get off Keep Phil out. and Becky <laughs> like specifically naming the siblings that would most likely steal it so this is a really interesting thing to reread, I think. Is it strangely comforting to know yeah. what's going <laughs> to happen? Yeah, we're all going to die, yeah. And that plants are going to take over, yeah. I think that it's high time that they did, really, to be honest. And I, I just think stuff like that is sort of <laughs> increasingly relevant. Like, we are all probably going to die soon, you guys. And unless... <laughs> <laughs> the world is coming to an end. If it's not at Donald Trump's hand, it is um, by plants. I suppose <laughs> rereading the Day of the Triffids is probably better for your mental health than being on Twitter all day long, right? which also tells you you're going to die all the time. Yeah, sure. I see as well we have John Ronson, oh, So You've Been God. Publicly Shamed. And this, this is a favorite. podcast about shame and shameful <laughs> literary habits. I um, love him so much. I'm such a huge fan of John Ronson. Is that Ronson. your favourite of his books? It is, yeah. And I've, um, I've got some of the others like on my phone and I hate reading books on my phone and stuff like that but it's um yeah I, I need to get physical copies of him because I just love him so but that is definitely my favorite and I've reread that quite a few times so you're you're ashamed of reading on your phone <laughs> I am ashamed of it is that <laughs> something you do when you're in a tight spot so you've got something yeah. to look at wherever you are yeah and it's stupid because my phone battery dies so immediately it's so stupid um to have phone uh, books on my phone 
Um, but it's um, annoying carrying around big books, isn't it? And I know that that's such a shame because that's probably going to spell the end of our business. But um, yeah, sometimes I just don't, I want to have a tiny bag, you know? So we just need to be spending more time on the toilet and yes. less time anywhere else. Exactly. Just never Let leave your us. bathroom, basically, is what I'm kind of advocating. Oh, oh yeah, that's the time machine. That's a very oh, old copy that is of a the H. Beautiful edition for the. Um, that's obviously stolen from for my the school. listeners at home. This <laughs> is gorgeous. It's a new windmill series, um, a hardback, and it's got. I guess it was possibly red ones, but a kind of orangey <laughs> linen binding um, yeah. with a blue and white um, cover image. It's very. Um, no, when was this published, do you think? 1972? Yeah, I just, um, I love the sci-fi stuff. I love sort of mad stories. Would you ever write it? I'd love to. Um, I'd love to write a zombie book. I'm obsessed with zombies. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I don't know if the uh, appetite is out there for brains. <laughs> Sorry, that was a terrible zombie book. <laughs> I apologise. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I would love to. I think it would have to be something under a different name, wouldn't it, probably? People who go to buy a hot mess and get, get a zombie apocalyptic novel. <laughs> you could just put more syllables in Lucy sure. Bine <laughs> to sound a bit zombie-tastic. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thanks, Daisy. Oh, so that's the top shelf. The books I come back to again and again. Then this second shelf is basically just a vanity project. So I've got my own books there and the the languages it's so far been translated into. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? The Serbian version. My name is uh, Lucy Vane. And it's L-U-S-I-V-A-J-N. Yeah, I just, so I don't really understand that. I just thought your name was your name. But maybe it's about pronunciation. Maybe that's how you would pronounce Lucy Vine. <laughs> I don't know. Is it a direct translation or does any of the yeah. story shift? That's such an interesting question. and Because I, I, I say this a lot. Like, you, I will never know if these are good books. If this has been, you know, written well. Because I don't speak a language. I, I speak a little bit of French. But not certainly not well enough to know if the French translation is a good interpretation i know when they were translating it a couple of um the publishers from foreign countries kind of came back and said oh there was a bit where um i think it was the polish translators sort of said what is spit roasting (laughs) (laughs) is it a dance move and if it's not a dance move can we make it a dance move so i think some of them may have turned a term toned down some of my um worst urges (laughs) so i think certainly there was some sort of Silly changes, but I, I, not that, that I'm aware they changed much of it. I do love this, the French cover oh, of cool, Hot Mess, because Ellie is smoking, yes. which you never see now. Why is so French? And they've changed the name of that. I, I, I think the translation is The Rubbish Life of Ellie. Aww. So, But I love that. I just think it's kind of um, hilarious I and silly. Um, I Sorry, of, my dog's I whining I again. even more than Hot Mess. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, so then the other half of that um, shelf, my vanity shelf, is like... Um, people I adore like people I sort of know personally who've written amazing books so I feel very proud of those people so then yeah the next shelf is the TBR pile Um, I see you've got um, Lush by Gabrielle oh yeah I've nearly finished that and it is actually Um, really brilliant I really enjoyed it she's um, she is a lush (laughs) do you have that essay up that book is out I think it's probably out now yeah it's sort of now-ish 2018 Um, definitely very very funny memoir about being in your 20s a sort of 
Probably a good real life companion, cheap yeah. hot mess. Yeah, I Who are your favourite <laughs> literary drinkers? <laughs> that is such a great question. Oh, um, I do love, I love, oh my God, what a complete Ashling. Um, they seem like they would be fun to go out drinking with. I was a big fan of that oh, book. That um, yeah. was. I know because obviously, um, yeah, so you write commercial fiction for women. Yeah. There are lots of comparisons with Bridget Jones. Yes. Um, I think that we've both talked before about being very, very big fans of Helen Fielding. In fact, we were on another podcast on Popped talking Unpopped. about our love of Brilliant podcast. Bridget Jones. Um, <laughs> and Bridget is a. Um, yeah, she's on the next shelf. So the, the shelf and under the fan that... And a Chardonnay. Yes, she's a, yes, definitely. So the next shelf is sort of my um, feminist, um, wonderful female writer's shelf. Um, so yeah, Dolly Alderton, everything I know about love, she'd be a great drinking companion, wouldn't she? And Holly Bourne, I adore. She's fantastic. Louise O'Neill, I'm not sure there's much drinking there. <laughs> I don't think she well, drinks actually. Well, it's the Surface <laughs> which is the retelling of Little Mermaid, you know, water, water oh, everywhere. So, good, right? so let's all have a drink, I believe is the next yeah. line of that poem, according to Homer Simpson. What about, I see, on the subject of, um, you know, me being a book inspector, yes. you've got quite a serious charge of stalking to make here, Lucy Vine, <laughs> yes. because you have a shelf nearly entirely dedicated to the work of Marion Keys. Yes, yeah, so it's mostly Marion Keys and then a little bit also of Sophie Kinsella. I just, these are the, um, these are the two writers who actually, um, probably influenced me the most. So as I was saying earlier, I was quite a pretentious, um, young reader and I insisted on reading things like Dickens and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just thought I was sort of too good for things like Chicklet while my sister was reading Marion Keys and, and sometimes I'd hear her laughing her head off in her room. And she eventually kind of said, oh, you have to read. Um, I think actually it was Sophie Kinsella, The Secret Dream World of Shopaholic was the first one that I read that got me into that kind of world. Um, And honestly, it was just so funny and such a revelation. I couldn't believe I'd sort of been missing out on this amazingness for so long. So then I sort of read everything Sophie Kinsella wrote and then got really into Marion Keys. And I just think they're so clever and funny and cool. And it's so depressing how those kind of books are just dismissed as kind of silly uh, fiction for women and all that I mean it comes down to that chiclet turn doesn't it which I actually am a fan of I think chiclet is something we should uh, claim back and uh, just sort of re-embrace I would love to see that because you're right I think these books are so smart yeah. and the pacing of them I mean I think Sophie Kinsella is comparable to P.G. Woodhouse the yeah just the silliness of it and mm. the sheer giddy exhilaration and you know all the referencing is so smart and mm. you know Marion Keys as well I'm constantly going on about how much oh, I, I her so much. adore her and the yeah. emotional intelligence of mm. it as well I think that they're um yeah the day that she followed me on Twitter was like <laughs> such a dream <laughs> it's so pathetic isn't it yeah but I totally screen grabbed and sent to my sister who initially got me into it I'll DM her. Um, Nora Ephron there yeah, as well. Yeah, of course, yes. She's so wonderful. Is it? Would you say, because she is, I don't think necessarily fairly, um, famous for her personal writing. And she's often, yeah. she's got that label, mm. confessional writer. Now, as, as well as writing fabulous novels, <laughs> you write a lot of sort of features and lifestyle pieces and you've put yourself in your work before. Yeah. Do you enjoy doing that? Do you think women are under more pressure to do that than men? Oh, yeah, I do, definitely. Especially, um, it is a funny thing, isn't it, how even with women's fiction, we still expect the author to kind of 
everything is copy sort of thing. And I, I, I do kind of enjoy writing about some aspects of my life, but <laughs> I definitely prefer to hide in fiction. But it, yeah, it is. It's definitely a sort of gendered issue, isn't it? How um, we're expected to kind of reveal ourselves in a way that men are not. Have you ever, in any of your writing, used it to get revenge? Are there any people <laughs> I thought, well, this is what happened from my side of the story? And... <laughs> um, I don't think so. I've definitely tried to get, like, X's attention. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to casually write about our relationship from five years ago. Oh, have you texted me about this? Oh, what a shock. <laughs> As I sit by the pool, admiring my fabulous breast in the reflection of the water I feel sad about the time I spent <laughs> bottom shelf is kind of a bit of a throwaway shelf mm. of stuff that I kind of enjoy but don't um, like necessarily uh, yeah it's probably the shameful shelf to some extent <laughs> I see you have modern dog parenting what makes a modern oh. dog oh I'm not ashamed of that it's just that they're the ones that I don't have an emotional attachment to maybe and sometimes like to read like in sort of a hate read way like Piers Morgan I, I, I kind of just occasionally open that up at a random page just to remind myself what an absolute dickhead he is um, so, so I again, can't bring myself to throw it away because, or give it to a charity shop quite, instead of going on Twitter yeah. you could, is he still yes he is he's yeah. <laughs> still awful but I think he sort of sneers at people so much on Twitter and stuff like that. It does feel a bit like I sometimes just want to qu- quote back his own book to him. Sometimes I don't because I don't want to get into another fight with Piers Morgan. But it is um, that's probably unfair for some of those books. But um, like I loved um, Simon Amstel's Help. I thought that was wonderful, and it made me want to go and take ayahuasca, which I've actually written about in my new book. <laughs> I'm really excited about that because I yeah. love reading about people yeah. taking ayahuasca and thinking, right. shall I do that? I totally want and to then, do it. And then I get really I bad diarrhea or something and yeah. I have this sort of mini ayahuasca experience over like a bad prawn. <laughs> I think I'm probably fine. I this is the all universe. the revolution I need. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I fully intend, before this book comes out, I fully intend to go and take ayahuasca in like the Peru, Peruvian jungle. Oh, let's go. Do you want to come with me? Let's do, do it. <laughs> yes! We'll just live podcast the entire experience, just um, sitting in the loo with a book, having <laughs> having diarrhoea. I love how much we've talked about poo in this. <laughs> you can have a good edit job here, too. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We'll be back to Lucy shortly, but now it's time for my steal of the week, the book that I love so much that simply buying it is practically an act of theft because it's worth 10 times the cover price. This week I've chosen Everything Under, which is the Booker shortlisted novel by the writer Daisy Johnson. The title I love because I really felt sucked in by this book. The prose is so startling and so immediate that you feel as though Johnson's world and what she's created here is so much more real than reality and you're right there's lots of very clever reference to myths and it's a very contemporary retelling of something that feels quite classical Uh, it's about relationships and families it's really really thought-provoking it made me think a lot about those relationships but the beauty of her language is startling she comes so close to poetry in places it's a really really haunting book it was edited by my friend Anna Fletcher, a brilliant editor at Jonathan Cape. Anna said, I think you're going to love this. And she was absolutely right. You know, that's um, Everything Under by Daisy Johnson that was published in the summer of 2018 by Jonathan Cape. And it's available everywhere now. Now back to Lucy. I did want to ask you, going back to... um, Mr. Morgan. Oh, yeah. And as a writer who, you know, I think you're under a certain amount of pressure to be on social media, to promote your work on social media, and also to do that with your journalism too. How do you manage that? Do you have any tips for doing it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Well, I'm kind of not great at it. And I, I, I do sort of feel quite a lot of guilt about not being more on top of it but then also feel like too embarrassed to try harder yeah I'm just aware that there is a lot of that kind of pressure because you need to have a lot of followers and stuff and and be talking to people constantly but I quite like um I am an introvert in quite a lot of ways I need to sort of disappear and recharge away from other people so but I just sort of I don't want to feel that pressure where I have to tweet like decide oh I need to tweet be tweeting five times a day or posting an Instagram every couple of days or something like that. I just, um, I like to kind of disappear into myself for a couple of weeks. Do you think that the most voracious readers are, um, I always get voracious and vicarious confused. <laughs> which one? It's, I, I spend a lot of time on my own not talking to people and I don't know how many words are pronounced. Right? <laughs> but, I, I had that problem because I was such a reader when I was young. I'd quite often, my family used to take the piss mm. out of me a lot. I, I just remember this one incident on Christmas Day when I was reading from a book of poems I'd got. And I was like, oh, this is by somebody called Anon. And, they, uh, <laughs> and everybody just mocked me. But there were quite a lot of words when I was younger that I just never said out loud. That I assumed I knew completely um, because I'd read them so many times. <laughs> I think it is a sign of being... <laughs> 
being well read. I'm so sorry. So you were talking about being a voracious reader. <laughs> do you think that um, people who like their own company are they the ones who read the most? Oh, you'd you'd think so, but then also conversely, like I liked disappearing into these other people's lives and I don't know if that was because I didn't like my own I don't think it was that's maybe a bit too self-analytical but um there is a kind of I guess escapism isn't there so if you're kind of looking at other people's lives a lot then it must um there must be an element of like um escaping from your own life but I don't know I've always quite liked myself (laughs) Well, I'm pretty great. You can escape, you can share in that world that you don't have to do anything. It's a lovely, almost like a lazy connection. You can just study them and you've not got to bring anything to that party. Yeah. And I either, you know, feel good about how, like we were talking about Lush. Um, <laughs> I feel very good because I don't drink that much. <laughs> Did you used to? <laughs> no, I never have. I've always been quite a lightweight. So I think like even a couple of wines is, whereas um, Gabrielle seems to be a very impressive drinker able to drink quite a lot without it affecting her but I've only ever been able to have like one glass and it goes to my head should we have a glass (laughs) (laughs) I think we should I like Hunter S Thompson I don't really feel like I've had the the greatest I didn't have any cocaine this morning here is my health program is it Kat Marnell have you have you read oh I love that book it was so brilliant it's not on the shelf but I think um, I read it on What's it called? My phone again. We should remember it for the list. How, How to, to Murder, murder your, your Life. Such a good title. And yeah, I, I also just really respected the fact that, like, because these kind of books, they do tend to kind of go that path of, oh, I'm so terrible. I'm taking lots of drugs. I'm drinking so much. And then you come out the other side of it and I'm all better. So I really respected that she kind of ended that book by being like, um, oh, actually, yeah, no, I still take a lot it of drugs. It's terrible. Unusual. And I think that's the, what we were talking about in terms yeah. of women in confessional writing. Yes. Honestly, but there's lots of oh, it was terrible, but I've repented for yeah. my sins, whatever We're they are. To and fix now ourselves, I do yoga. aren't we? Yeah, which is why you know, hot mess. Um, I didn't really want to sort of fix her. I actually kind of wanted to make the point that actually other people needed to shut up, and she was fine the way she is on her own, and all of that kind of stuff. It's other people's expectations that need um, writing, not her i think so many people responded to hot mess as an anti-love story that it's about and i think it's there are lots of similarities with um dolly alderton's um wonderful memoir everything i know about love because it's about i think choosing yourself but do you have any favorite love stories are there any books where conventional it's funny yeah i'm just browsing that top shelf and trying to see any love stories well not really because um i mean i guess in Marion Key's books, there's generally some kind of a, a romantic theme. Mm. So I always, I mean, I've always enjoyed that. I just don't think it's always been the, I mean, my favourite um, of Marion Key's books and the things I remember most are sort of the the sisters. But yeah, it's, um, it's the sort of friendships and the adventures always to me that I've always sort of remembered from books, not necessarily the sort of epic love stories. And I've read all those kind of things like One Day and stuff mm. like that. But they're not the ones, I mean, that's not on my top show. I enjoyed it, but it's not something that sort of haunts me um, in the same way that something like 
not, not when he's to... talking about Kevin, still does. Like, it's... There's many things. Oh, that's such it's a not a love story. Right. No, well, it's kind of a love story. It's about a mother's love for her son in some ways, and it's it's kind of devastating. So, I mean, the love, the love stories right. that I... Sorry. <laughs> but the love stories that I kind of remember most are those sort of... Um, Toxic, scary, destructive love. Yes. And also those kind of other kinds of love, those kind of friendship loves. Mm. And that's what I loved about Dolly Alderton's book. That sort of absolute adoration and that sort of love for her friends, which I feel so strongly and I would really like to do more of in my books, that kind of... Which I, I hopefully have done a bit, but would really like to kind of push even further because we do... Like, there is... Like, I'm in love with lots of my friends. I absolutely love them. Oh, I, don't, Lizzie, I, don't, I didn't know you felt that way. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to motivate you, but I do love you, Daisy. You're so wonderful. But yes, so I just think, um, to me, the love stories in books have always been a sort of either unusual love or... Who would be your... I mean, it sounds like you're pretty good pretty good for friends. But solid proof. But um, shake some if off, you could choose a fictional best friend from oh, these shelves... That is such a good question. I've got some pretty dark books here, so... Um, Kevin. You can be yeah. friends with Kevin. <laughs> yeah, pass. Um... Do you think you could be friends with Becky Bloomage from the Shopaholics books? This is or what I was kind of maybe going to say. With the credit card I mean, It's a funny thing, isn't it, between... Um, being obsessed with a book and actually really liking and wanting to be friends with the with the main character. Like I, I do love Becky Bloomwood. She's one of the people I've spent most time with <laughs> because there were so many books, but also I mean she's desperately likable. I'm not sure I'm into shopping enough. I do like shopping, but I am a person that prefers to go shopping alone and just very grab whatever I need and go. <laughs> so I'm not sure like we would get on very well. Um, those books, a lot is that, you know, for any listeners who are unfamiliar, um, <laughs> Becky Bloomwood, who is a, um, really does have psychological shopping problems that are never resolved. <laughs> um, but she's got a best friend, Suze. Oh, and that it's not an easy relationship. And I think that she unusually <laughs> makes that relationship, um, Sophie Kinsella, the writer, very three-dimensional yeah. and... Suze does quite often call Becky out for her bad mm. behaviour. And also, Becky often feels neglected by Suze. And they've got, I think, very... They have lives that come That's together it. and then come apart. And it's, yeah. I think, weirdly, one of the most realistic portrayals of friendship yeah. I've ever read. Yeah, oh, definitely. So I would love to be in their gang, but I would probably um, not want to spend that much time with them. This looks amazing. Oh, oh, they are um, books from my childhood yeah, that were just... Um, Sylvia Ward. Yeah, The Menems. The Menems. I don't know this book either. So brilliant, brilliant books. Um, Children's books, but they they hold their own. (laughs) I haven't actually reread them before. It's about um, sort of woolen... I don't even know how to describe them. Somebody um, knits a family called The Menems, and then they come to life and start living. And it's just so lovely, lovely. And I have such... I mean, I don't, I don't reread them very often, but when I look at them on my shelf, I just am sort of filled with this love and this, um, ex- the feelings I felt when I read it back then, and, and they're just such brilliant, brilliant books. Yeah, and The Silver That's Crown it. by Robert O'Brien is another one that just is so brilliant, and that's so um, random. It, basically, there's just a magical silver crown that, and she goes on the most epic adventures and. They're just books that I read so much when I was little, um, or teenager probably, actually. And I see you've got Watership Down. Oh, oh there's another Menem's book as well. Did it make you cry? 
Oh yes. God, I can barely look at it without crying. <laughs> what are the other? When, when's the last time you cried at a book? Because I've been reading a lot of um, quite funny fiction in recent, especially because of the books that I've written. I get sent a lot of very funny and um, drunken books. Uh, so I don't. I haven't been sent any. Do you know? What? I don't know if you've read it yet. The 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 thirty short stories in Raw by Cecilia Ahern. Have you seen I, it? I have that. Oh oh, I'm going to read it. There's some of the... I mean, they're obviously too short, maybe, to kind of fully uh, get into your soul. But some of them just hit really hard. Like, it's just quite difficult to read some of it. It's um, just astonishing. I'm trying to think of the last thing that made me cry. How... What kind of reader are you? Do you read every day? No, I, I go through phases of it. I'll I'll be reading sort of voraciously for sort of a few weeks at a time, and then I won't read for weeks. Um, it's it, I find it very difficult when I'm writing a book because I know that if I um <laughs> actually read the wrong or too good a book when I'm writing my own book, then I'll just start stealing it, and I won't even know I'm doing it. It's like um for years after Bridget Jones, I couldn't. <laughs> oh, Paris turned up in yeah. the book. <laughs> It's really, it's more almost the sort of style, the voice. If I've become really kind of um, immersed in a book, I do find myself sort of speaking like the characters and stuff. So I do have to be a bit careful when I'm actually writing for myself because I I don't want to steal. (laughs) It is tricky, yeah. But do you think that you, would you be a writer if you weren't a reader or do you think that what you read has shaped you as a writer? That's a really good question. I definitely think, um, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I read so much when I was young, but I never actually considered that I could be a writer because that seemed like saying, you know, you, I'll be a pop star to me. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so it's it just sort of seemed like a silly... So when I went, I still didn't know when I went off to do English at university and everyone was like, oh, you're going to be a teacher because my parents are mm-hmm. teachers and also what really else do you do with an English degree? Um, as I was finishing university, I was quite like, oh God, what do I want to do? Um, and then got work experience in magazines and, and then a job. Yeah, I had, I still didn't, I was kind of looking at maybe subbing because I didn't think there was really any way of actually being a real writer. And then, you know, things started happening. So is that what you were doing? Was it more production than... No, I was always... (laughs) I was the editorial assistant and then a junior writer and then a staff writer and then a senior writer and then a, you know, um, entertainment editor or something like that. But um, still just didn't really have any faith. I I think I still kind of think, if I can just sort of trick people into publishing this next one, then, um, then you know, I'll, I'll at least have this many out. Hopefully, the dream is that they'll just keep letting me write books, like sort of one a year deal. That would be nice. Wow. And I zombie think, books in between, maybe. I think they should. <laughs> Ryan, if you're listening, to I'm very upset if there aren't any more Lucy books. I want these oh, to okay. continue. So yeah, back to back to poo. <laughs> I'm going to get into so much trouble. Um, did you enjoy the Da Vinci Code? I did. Sorry. <laughs> Millions. It's, it's hidden it's at the deep. bottom because it is, um, you know, a guilty pleasure. I hate that term, to be honest, but it is. It was. Um, it's a rip roaring. <laughs> I hate that term too. I don't know why. It's bringing out awful oh, terms in me. I want rip roaring to come back. I enjoy <laughs> yeah, okay, rip roaring. Okay. It's a rip roaring read. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting, isn't it? 
Um, it was an interesting idea. But I, yeah, I just for some reason didn't want to throw it away. Well, I didn't throw anything away. I got rid of a lot of books when I moved house a few months ago. Um, anything I didn't feel like sort of an emotional connection to. But for some reason, are you going to read me a terrible passage? <laughs> Go on then, shame me. He sold a lot of books. <laughs> Kneeling in the first pew, Silas pretended to pray as he scanned the layout of the sanctuary. Saint Sulpice, like most churches, had been built in the shape of a giant Roman cross. Not tonight, Silas thought. Saint Sulpice hides her secrets elsewhere. <laughs> okay. And I love that because that's definitely Silas. something that a human would think. Yeah, of course they were. Oh, look who's come to read the Da Vinci Code. Oh, it's Ivy. <laughs> don't do it, Ivy. <laughs> You'll have to read them all. <laughs> no, I don't think I read any others. There was only that one. Any <laughs> books that we have... Um, not mentioned. I do. I like this. Um, the combination of how to build a girl. Then not that kind of girl. <laughs> I know there was quite a lot of girl stuff going on for a while, wasn't there? Huge thanks to Lucy for sharing her books and her lovely puppies with us, and thank you all so much for tuning in and listening. Um, you can find me on social media. I'm at NotRollerGirl on Twitter, at the Daisy Bee on Instagram, and I'll be putting up some pictures of Lucy's books and dogs. Also, keep an eye out for Lucy's brand new novel coming in 2019, Are We Nearly There Yet? I think it's going to be really funny and fun and pacey. If you have any questions at all about the show, you can email us. It's ybooked at gmail.com. That's the letter Y and booked at gmail. Thanks so much for listening and for all your support on social media. We really, really love hearing from you about your thoughts on the podcast. And please do rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find us. Uh, your book was produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and hosted by Acast. I'll see you next time for more book inspection. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.